buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Today I've got Dalus Wilson. He is the VP of Growth at Get Accept and the head of sales research at Sales Research Labs. And he's got some interesting topics that we're going to talk about today, some things that he's passionate about. Dalus Wilson is currently the VP of Growth at Get Accept, which was named this year by Excel as one of Europe's top 100 SaaS companies. Uh, Dallas, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? It's good to be here, Colin. Great day to talk about sales, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Any day of the week is a good day to talk about sales. Um, I love everything about sales. I believe it's the best profession on this planet. Um, for me, you know, it wasn't like my plan B or backup plan. Uh, you know, it wasn't like I was sought out to do something else and didn't work out and, and got into sales like many other people. That's kind of the most common story that I hear. For me, there was no other opportunities and sales was the only one willing to take a chance on me. So I thought I'd make the best of it. Yeah, it's we we love having you here and all your content helps us get better. So you're doing a great job. Yeah, well today, you know, it's it's about you, man. I really want to get you on here and talk about some of the things you love talking about. Um love the content that you're putting out there and the work that you're doing on the sales community. So, before we get started, um just give us the short version of your sales story, how you got into sales, any highlights, anything like that, but keep it short so we can get into the good tactical stuff to uh deliver an educational message here to all the sales hustlers. Thank you very much. So my dad uh, was a senior leader at HP in APAC. So I grew up listening to the calls pretty much every day. And, and my brother and I would just play Game Boy in the back of the car. But secretly, I was listening, listening passively to all those conversations. And when I had the opportunity to just out of high school, I knew that I wanted to try sales immediately in a retail context. So I actually joined Harvey Norman, which is the Aussie equivalent of Best Buy or, or maybe the electronic section at Walmart. And instead of applying to that job casually, I remember walking around the entire place and cataloging all the items. And then when I came to the interview, I, I suggested dis different price bundles that were most profitable and that was what got me the job. And I, I took it from there and basically, Colin, I, I made it the, the lifelong pr profession. I 
did study elements of law and was thinking about medicine. But in the end, I just found that uh, I love the meritocracy of sales and that you could be a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old and it didn't matter how old you were. As long as you were smashing goals and influencing people in a positive way, you could be promoted to leadership, you know, straight away. You, you didn't need time on your side. Mm, awesome. I love that. So, you, you you landed your first sales job coming in there telling them how they could do things differently before you even had the job. A little bit, but you have to build some rapport once you start presenting that stuff. But, <laughs> but that's the challenge of sale in a way that some of these methodologies, right, is is educating and, and not being afraid to teach people things or to come in there with new information. But I didn't know that at that time. I just read, uh, I think uh, Death of a Salesman was probably the only sales-related book I, I'd read at that point. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, challenging people's thinking is a great way to, to build rapport, make them think or consider something that they hadn't before. Yeah. And I challenge everyone listening here is you probably have your standard price book and the bundles that you put together, but really think how can you push that creatively and present offers that are unique because the customer will always appreciate it. And if you uh, give a customer a good deal, if you help them save money, they'll remember that for life. But what they w won't remember is the person who, who tried to charge them an arm and a leg and they end up uh, needing to sell their soul to buy your product. They're not going to be happy campers in that instance. No, pro probably not. I mean, um, but m more importantly, like, you know, people remember how you make them feel. Right. So, um, what you say, what you do, how you do it, you know, they'll remember some of that stuff. But if you're, if you keep the goal in mind of just delivering a great experience, whether that means working together or not, people remember that. That's how you build high quality relationships, a high quality network that never stops giving. I agree with that. And we also think about value. That's what sales uh, leadership always talks about. How do you present value? But that's very difficult as someone who is emerging in your career or you sell to very di difficult industries and stakeholders where you as an individual, you're not really sure how you can give that value. I think there's a good way to dichotomize it or think about it in two parts. There's immediate value, what you can do for someone now. And in the case of a great brand like HubSpot, uh, they have free analyzer tools that the sales reps can use to give value to that company immediately, even before the first call. The, the second area is future value. And that's often the only place we focus in on sales. And because that's after they've bought our product is when they experience that future value. But if you can prioritize creating more immediate value, you'll see more sales because people will want to talk to you more about what you can do for them in six months from now or a year from now. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's hard if you're like new in role to really think that, that far out, right? Cause yep. you're like, I just need to get on the board. <laughs> I just need to <laughs> close a deal. I just need to set up another meeting. Um, I think it's a lot of, you know, like long sales cycles is not for everybody. Um, there's better, some, you know, reps that just, they just do better in 
much more transactional type of deals. Um, and, and there's other people who have the patience for the longer sales cycle and can think more long-term and can really focus on the person and building the relationship rather than just getting the sale or the booking the meeting right now. I'm really a big fan of salespeople. If you're out there or you haven't found your first sales job and you're looking, I really think that you should start in B2C high-velocity sales. The reason is is that it gives you that wow. thinking on your feet when you call someone and have to in that 30 seconds think of a hook that's dynamic and relates to that situation. So, I remember in one of my early jobs, I was calling tradespeople and I'd have to say, you know, oh, company X, I heard you are the best plumber on this street. I actually eat at this restaurant all the time down the road, right? And immediately I have rapport with them. When I came to B2B, where the, these deal values are a lot higher, but generally speaking, we have more time in this kind of selling. I found that B2C mm -hmm. high velocity experience really helpful because everything seemed like it was in slow-mo coming from that world. And so, maybe it's helpful for you to do a job with a little bit more of that pressure because if you excel, B2B will be super easy for you. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great tip there. I've not heard that one before. So, um but you know, I have talked to a lot of great salespeople that started in like retail or consumer or, you know, more B2C and then switch to B2B and have done really well. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but let's dig into some of the topics that you love talking about most. And, um, you know, let's talk one first about like creating a, a, a daily cadence of content that, you know, builds relationships and, and drives revenue. What, what does that look like? And, you know, what tips do you have for somebody who's maybe trying to get started and hasn't quite figured that out? It's easy for me because I've been passionate about sales my whole life and I've normally been working with other sales leaders and marketing technology leaders. So the technology I, uh, sorry, the content I can put out is very close to my heart because it's things that I do every day. So it's like I'm sharing it with my peers. However, let's take an example of if you work in cybersecurity and you sell to a CISO that, or, or a CIO, and you've, you're just mm -hmm. out of university or college, good luck trying to think about things to give value to them, right? So, my, my number one bit of advice is to try and fill your calendar once a month with a stakeholder in that industry for, for a 30-minute meeting. And in that meeting, you should be asking them, what kind of language should I use? What kind of things would make you open an email? What kind of uh, magazines and content sources do you subscribe to? Once you start doing those interviews uh, once a month, you can pivot that content to inspire your daily content creation. So, you should be talking about your industry and giving value to all the people that you've spoken to because 90, 95% won't buy. But if you successfully add half of those on LinkedIn, you'll start building a, a passive audience of people who are happy to hear from you. And when they first think about that topic, they don't think about anything else except you. And so, I I, I actually changed my name to, to remove my last name. Now, my name's uh, Dayla Sales Tips. And so, whenever anyone thinks of sales, they think of me and I have... 20 to 30 in mails a day from all over the world. And, and I think that's a good place to be. So, I'm hoping for you guys out there that 
you're able to follow that daily cadence and build an audience for yourselves. Yeah, I, I love the play on the name there too. That's just fantastic. <laughs> Until they ban me. But if you're listening, LinkedIn, just, you know, talk to me first. You you gave me an award in 2017 for the most popular article on there. So, I brought a lot of people to LinkedIn and we're talking about it now. So, take it easy on me if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They should cut you a break. Yeah, I think um, so. So, all right. So, uh, all right. So, I love this example of, you know, interviewing the types of people you know, first of all, let's back up. You talked about, you know, what books do they read? What blogs do they subscribe? Where do they hang out? Learn how to speak their language. Carve some time out of your calendar to talk to these types of people and learn from them. Um, and that's one of the things I love about, you know, the podcast format too. And, you know, if you don't have the budget to maybe, you know, start a podcast or resources to have somebody manage one for you and you're just trying to get started, you know, like you could just do a video series or you don't even have to put the content out and just, you know, exactly like you were saying, just learn from these people. Maybe buy them lunch, buy them a cup of coffee, whatever the case is, and start to learn that language to create, you know, the knowledge base to put out the type of content that's going to attract your customers, right? And it's easy when you get started in the content of like being consistent with content to get frustrated, right? Especially when you start to get into that mindset of like comparing yourself to daily sales tips who gets tons of engagement, right? And you're just getting started. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes consistency, right? And the biggest thing that I think most people don't consider about content is there's so many people that are seeing your content that aren't engaging, that aren't liking it. But if they're your right buyers, you're staying top of mind with them. And that's part of a long-term, you know, nurture strategy of a relationship. I agree. And you really need to think about the vehicle as well. So, for instance, if you're selling again to security or to real estate, just buy a domain for $5 on Square, Squarespace and call it real estate today or securityinsightstoday.com. It takes five seconds to put a blog on it. And then you have a second job title, more credibility, and you can connect with whoever you want in the world. And listen to Colin, everyone, because Colin's the master. I mean, he's not doing this for free. He does have some interesting side businesses. And so, Colin's connecting with some of the best people in the world, and this is a great mechanism. So, I think this is a good opportunity where you can learn from your host. He's one of the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm still, I'm still learning myself. I mean, one of the biggest benefits of having people like you on the show as well is like, I get to learn from some of the best people, you know, in sales and, uh, and create awesome content. And, uh, you know, I would say out of everything, I mean, the show has been a lot of fun, but still the most valuable thing out of the whole thing is the, the relationships that I get to build with the people that come on. That's, you know, what makes, makes it worth, you know, 130 episodes, three episodes a week of just, you know, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. But it's funny. Once you start getting into your world of content, you'll find niches that you specialize in topics that you have certain power or magic towards. And I remember I created this increase my online business.com, which is now sold, but uh, that, that was more related to marketing and some sales topics. But Within a year, year and a half, I was ranked top 50 in the world in SEO and getting 
hundreds of leads and I was just a kid at university. I, I wasn't really prepared for all of it. But I think it, especially if you're in an industry, let's take, say, medical, there's hardly any content in there for industry professionals. It's all very siloed in journals and research. So take your opportunity and, and think big. And remember, I was saying this to a, a gentleman I was speaking to in India the other day. As long as you have an internet con connection and passion for what you do and drive, you can make it anywhere at the moment with the beauty of, of online business. So just just stay positive. And remember, when people don't like your content, it's okay. As long as you believe it has merit and worth, stay patient. Because I give the example, how many times have I, I surf every day? How many times have I pulled aerial moves or done amazing things and not a single person has been there to see it, but I know that it's worth it, right? So, just keep focused and once you hit traction, thousands of people will come and re-look at all your older content that sits there and if it's good, that's a little treasure trove for them, a little mine of gold that they'll enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So now I want to, um, I mean, all of that is, I totally agree with, and you know, it's, it's, you got to do, I think the key though, is is find something that you enjoy talking about. Right. And, and as you start to kind of find your voice or find the things that light you up or that you're passionate about, you know, it'll take some trial and error in, in, in figuring that out. But if you stick with it, you will figure it out. Um, so now I want to transition a little bit and I want to talk about, um, some of the things that are coming out in, in, in the sales research re report that you, you know, you've been working on, what are some interesting things or what are some things that maybe surprised you a little bit in, in the data? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So just as a bit of context, everyone, and, and Colin, you said I could swear on this podcast, so maybe I might do it now. But I, I was it's so, actually required. Uh, it's required. Yeah, I was so frustrated <laughs> with all the bullshit that comes out from all the different brands, uh, and a lot of uh, we do the brackets thought leaders. You know, a lot of these people aren't even excelling in sales, but they might have excelled at what we just talked about in building content, right? So, what I wanted to do was join some of the best brands in the world, and even some of the brands that compete against each other. Why? Because we all have a common goal to advance sales. You can't learn sales at university, right? So, what what yeah. hope do you have other than learning through content like this and other online content? So, I joined some of those amazing brands together like Outreach and Bidyard and Gong and Chorus. And together, what we've done is we survey thousands of different buyers and put the insights together into academic style reports that everyone can can learn from. So that's at salesresearchlabs.com. And the last one is we, we flipped the script and we started saying, well, buyers, what do you expect from sellers? Because buyers, in essence, are the ones that are signing the checks, right? So we need to know what they're thinking. Right. And the data was pretty overwhelming. I thought people don't want to talk to salespeople. I, I know that, but it's really looking grim. It's trending down towards, you know, uh, six out of 10, five out of 10 for wanting to talk to sales. Uh, but people think that salespeople aren't doing a good job. The average rating was 6.6 .6 out of 10 for a sales rep. And they're rating our research skills about a six. So 
it's crazy. People just aren't happy with what we're doing. So we need to get better, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious how many people, uh, how many buyers were participated in the survey? Yeah. So we had a couple of hundred, uh, but what I did is filtered them down based on the depth of their responses and also their seniority. So what makes this research unique is uh, more than a quarter of the buyers are C-levels at large companies, which is rare to get that kind of insight. And if you're in the enterprise, don't worry if you feel that you're frustrated in sales. That sector is the least enthusiastic to speak with sales and they're the least happy after they've spoken with you. So, you're not alone there. Uh, but the main theme was that buyers want sales to become more customized. And they, when we asked them what can salespeople do better, they said they need to understand our needs, our pain points and our use case and tailor solutions to us. It's not you know, 2015 where you can send a link to a blog article that explains your product. You need to get in depth and show that that word again, value. And back to my previous mm -hmm. point, if you're struggling to do that or don't know, the easiest way is to keep talking to people in the field when their guards down around these coffee chats and informative chats. And I think that will enhance your discovery, your research and, and your prep. So, one final point is that transparency is key. We always talk about it, but hiding information, answering questions indirectly, limiting features. So, you know, when you turn things off in your trial and avoiding pricing, these were all key detractors. So, when you do these, uh, the likelihood of you being able to close falls. So, I think the research is really cool and a great partnership between everyone to advance sales further. Wow. So you would say the biggest thing for salespeople to take away from, from the report is to be more transparent, authentic, honest, and more customized in, you know, customized in the demo, customized in the discovery, customized in the, the solution, customized at every stage of the sales cycle to meet the buyer, you know, where they're at and not just, Hey, you know, we need to check these boxes and these are the only, you know, offers that we have that maybe don't fully fit what you're looking for. Yeah. And think about it if you're buying a suit. If, if every single element of that suit is designed to you, it fits like a glove. I remember that movie. I loved it with Jackie Chan, the tuxedo, right? He pressed the button and that just <laughs> was perfectly on him. And he had all those wonderful abilities. I bet you if you audit your own sales process, it's evident of all the stock standard, save generic templatized stuff that you have. And buyers are smarter than ever. They know that you have these automatic creation tools and these ability to harness this information quickly and do a, a merge where you just replace their name. You need to do better than that because if you want to close at the minimum five-figure deals, you have to earn that on, on average people are speaking or looking at uh, up to 10 competitors in, in every deal that you're engaged in. So, that being said, it's great. I love this world. I, I'm happy if it continues and people um, do this because it's easy to stand out once you read research like this or are in the field and, and get solid sales training. If you can customize your approach and stand out, 
it's very easy to because the nine out of ten other sales reps you compete against won't be doing it. So I think yeah. I think it's yeah. it's not it's, so bad. It's it's uh it's it's kind of um uh, something comes to mind when you say that, right? Is is people keep saying like the phone doesn't work, the phone doesn't work, the phone the people that are using the phone, it's it works because so many people are not using the phone as much as they used to. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, so I mean, yeah, buyers are smart. You're absolutely right about that. And they know if you're, you know, just press and play on the demo and just rolling through features. If you're covering stuff that they clearly said they weren't interested in and okay. So let's say, you know, let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's say you, 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 you do not show them something because of something you learned in discovery or through conversations. Well, make a point of actually saying that, Hey, I'm going to not go into this because I know you said it wasn't important. You know, I'm pretty sure this is not relevant based on what I learned, you know, in our previous conversation and confirm that. So make sure that they know that your, you know, your demo is customized, that you, they do feel heard, that you are, you know, customizing how you're going through or how you're delivering the content or the demo to them based on doing a good job and just freaking listening to them. Yeah, it's interesting. I I say something a bit that pushes people's buttons. I, I say discoveries for betas and people go, oh, what? That, that's one of the fundamental points of sales. One, if you really want their business, you should have researched the hell out of them and your first touch point should be full of great juicy tidbits about their company and why you can help. Secondly, think about incorporating a, a tool to send a pre-meeting agenda. I use GetAccept. I've used it before I worked here and I send a list of questions with a video that covers the majority of the discovery I'd ask anyway in a first call or meeting. Bam, they fill it in and then I come to the meeting and I, I look amazing because I'm able to tailor everything preemptively, right? So, in sales, mm. we, we so much, we're reactive and we set ourselves up for those situations because we're following that standard playbook and we're just asking the customer the questions that all the other sales reps and all the other companies are asking as well. In, it, instead, focus on being proactive and then you can use that information to tailor a better approach. All right. I love that. So, you're saying you have them provide you some information before hopping on a call for the first time. So, essentially, it's kind of like self-discovery. Yeah. And admittedly, right, things like this, Colin uh, was great before the podcast. He makes me fill out a form so he knows some things in addition to what he's explored. And that way, the agenda is clear and, and we kick it off and we don't spend the first five minutes uh, talking about marshmallows at the campfire, right? We get straight into it. So, you should do the same thing for your journey. Uh, think about a pre-meeting agenda or think about a basic form or also think about implied questions, right? Instead of, we always talk about open questions in sales, like what kind of CRM are you, are you using? Uh, a better yeah. question is, from my research, I saw you might be using Salesforce. Is that correct, right? Oh, wow, this person actually did five seconds of work before this, right? So, think think about doing some of those things and watch the deal start flowing. Yeah. Okay. So, two part there. One, do do find out as many things as you can prior to the call 
that's going to make you stand out, right? So that you don't have to waste their time covering stuff that you're capable of figuring out on your own. And then the second part there, if there's some key information that you need, that's, you know, not the type of thing that you can figure out, like what CRM they use, then have them answer those questions before booking the call. Yeah. And then you turn up and I've been on so many calls where the slide deck 70 slides, and then they're flicking through the slides that don't relate because you didn't meet those variables. Everything like that report says, everything should be customized and do not settle unless your suit fits like a glove. I want every leg and every arm and the collar, everything tailored. Uh, and ideally forget your brand. Who cares about your brand? change the colors to look like their brand's colors and remove your logos and put theirs on in every place. If you do that, you're setting yourself up for success because you show one thing, Colin, you show you care. Yeah. Wow. I love about, I love that. And it shows that you, you put the extra work in and that you're prepared and that you, you know, you, you, that's a great way to earn their business to actually earn their business. Yeah, and, and think about it this way. In Let's take tech sales. On average, the average account executive earns more than a lawyer who's been working for 10, 15 years or most medical professional, professionals around the world. You know, doctors in Sweden get paid a third of what an AE does where you are in, in LA, right? So it, it's crazy to think that you you have the audacity to rock up and present a standard slide deck and take the meeting casually. No, do, do these, if you look at a doctor's life, they're continually doing training all the time and they go to bed early and they prepare for surgeries. They're putting in work, right? Unless you end up like that new show, Dr. Death. So don't learn from that guy. But in, in saying that, <laughs> say, sales, you need, you need to be doing more and you need to think, Again, how am I using my scalpel, my abilities to craft a custom approach for every person that I speak to? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Man, tons of tons of great daily sales tips in here. Another funny thing I thought of too from the report that all our listeners will be scared of is in the report, more than 50% of sales managers, so the people who are managing you, think that sales will be obsolete within 10 years. I asked every single participant that. How many? Wait, say that. 50% of sales managers, so people who for a living manage sellers, think that sales will be obsolete. So they devalue what you do so much that they think that you'll be replaced by computers and machines. So... Give them cause to eat their words, you know, take their job and show them how your customized human approach will will yield amazing results because, again, the buyers aren't like your sales managers. They're expecting different things. And uh, what's interesting too is CEOs think sales will be most relevant in 10 years, SVPs, VPs. And funnily enough, the SMB, the SMB was the second most likely to promote sales into the future. Why? Because when they are arriving at sales, they've normally done self-service and all the videos and the salesperson is the last avenue they have to get the help they need before mm -hmm. they buy. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom out there for sales, but 
to those sales managers out there, find me on LinkedIn and, and prove otherwise. Show me how you're helping to make your sellers' lives better and not talking uh, naughty stuff behind their back in these kind of surveys because 50% is... Uh, that's not a lot of faith, you know. If I was, that's, if I was in Vegas, I, I that's roulette odds. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I'd say that's probably the most shocking thing that I've heard in a long time, uh, and that baffles me. I mean, to be a person responsible for. I mean, that's basically. That's basically telling that you. You basically think you're doing a shitty job of managing salespeople if that's your response. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but again, maybe I need to dive into the data. Maybe I need to <laughs> uh, unanonymize the data and call some of them. But no, we don't do that. We make it unbiased. If it's shocking, it's got to be shocking. And I come from a quant background. I've done statistics and economics and things. So, I I, I thought it's time we bring this into sales. And it's also time that sometimes the story doesn't match the intent. For instance, if you're buying call recording technology, all the research you read and all the training is going to tell you how good it is and how helpful it is. We need this. We need this independent community of sales leaders united. And as you say to your guests, if you don't agree with me, don't agree with me, even swear, we need this in sales. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. And this second report's coming out and, and you can find it at salesresearchlabs.com. Uh, but maybe Colin, we can collaborate on the third or fourth report. Uh, maybe there's other areas of sales we need to take the microscope to and I'd be happy to do it together. Yeah, I love that. Um, man, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Let people know where they can you know, find out more, follow you. What links are we going to include in the show notes for them? And then I will definitely take you up on that offer. And put in, uh, it's tough spelling. So D-A-I-L-I-U-S. And uh, good luck to everyone in the Olympics at the moment. That's when we're recording this. So go Australia, yeah. go Lithuania, go the US and go wherever you're listening from. And to my Japanese friends, arigato. Um, All right. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed today's show, Write us a review, share the show with your friends, and as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out, and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.